Hi, my name is Timothy Arliss O'Brien, and this is my podcast, The Poet Heroic. Welcome to episode number 26. Today, I have six dynamic poems for you. First, I have two poems by myself. Then I have three poems by guests, Rye Downey, Jennifer Kimnitz, and Jay Newwald. And finally, I have a poem by a classic author, Lord Byron. Thanks for joining me today. Now sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy the poetry. Atmospheric River by J. Newwald. As it were, the atmospheric river embodies the realization of an old saying, when it rains, it pours, and pours, and pours, and pours. Precipitation equivalent to the Chesapeake in volume falling. Falling all day, falling so to turn people screaming mad. Caught in the hot, hazy ooze of moist air and turpid feeling. The sun is burning, lost somewhere in a cumulonimbus thicket above. We open the windows to find a breeze, a reprieve from the death of spring. Yet we merely invite this terrible miasma into our home. It hangs in stasis over the living room as I try desperately to think of the desert. If You Were to Cut Open My Stomach, published in Dear God, I'm a Faggot, by Timothy Arliss O'Brien. If you were to cut open my stomach, you would find a little boardroom with a little table full of people in tiny suits. They make decisions for my brain, which has been in disrepair since a suicide attempt in 2009. One day, I'll return. But that day isn't today. And it probably isn't tomorrow. Don't hold your breath. Don't count to ten. And please don't waste electricity. You can turn the light off. I'm not coming home. I want to take a moment to inspire you, our listeners, to try some poetry because anyone can be a poet. This episode, our writing prompt is to pick up a pen 
and give me the loudest silence you have ever experienced. So pick up a pen and a piece of paper or your iPhone and tell me, what is the loudest silence you have ever experienced? Once in Future Pigeon by Jennifer Kimnitz, published in the Poet Heroics Anthology, The Art of Learning to Fly. Undulating avian cloud, almost digital. Its rippling, stippled perfection approaches forever, then breaks. Thunderous rose underbelly dawn, helicoptering over oak and beech woodlands through vast oceanic prairies to alder swamps. Occluding the sun, moving children to flight, even hunters pause in terror. But... Recovering from astonishment, grip their machines, wipe out these millions, as with the bison. Except worse, to absolute Kelvin extinction, a zero dropped into a deep, deep well. No splash, no resonance, but the legend of Passenger Pigeon, read at seven, an age of realization of what humans are, that we admire fish, yet eat them. That we're all made, no matter how soulful, by inserting one spongy part into another. But it was the first time I understood we could snuff out beauty forever. Though forever isn't what it used to be, the company who brought back the Oroch, Revive and Restore, they call themselves, plans to bring back our bird, sort of, by messing with the genome of the band-tailed pigeon, sister species. With a bead beater and a centrifuge, they will search her out. By sequencing and splicing, they will remake her, unmistake her. It'll be interesting to see who its friends are and its foes once it comes back online, which predator is emboldened into multiplication, what this bird now wants to eat that we also like, as we might have to fight for our avocados. If we were to bring back the mammoth or the giant ground sloth, big as a UPS truck, Avos having evolved with their tastes and habits. What economic and agricultural hanging chads appear once this hole is repunched? What curious selection results? Who are you, revived pigeon? I call through time's telephone game into the petri dish of your gestation. Pause in the centrifuge of your extraction, proto-pigeon, 
and ask yourself, you're not your former self quite. No specific ancestral memory moves you. Your intelligence, belying our simplistic ideas of brain case size and smarts, your tiny neurons only pack in the tighter. Unlikely, then, to carry generational trauma? How will you make sense of this rebirth? Understand where you've landed because you're a new being, fresh as a robot. Whereas we, featherless, dim my urges, how will you know us? We don't get ourselves genociding, then Frankensteining this way, afterward fleeing from our creations trying to kill them all over again. Invasive species ruin the sterile garden. Always missing the point, this wayward chimp. Though web threads eternally reach out to us, their synapses fitting ours fox to foxglove. We burn them back like rainforest every time. My advice to you, passenger, is wait it out. Develop a long game, like early mammals in the age of giants. We were never meant to get anywhere. But ages pass away, and those who are left advance and collect, own all the properties. For the record, they say that early trees, 360 million years ago, dominated Devonian plant world so hard they choked themselves off their throne. Now we hand the world back to them with all this carbon dioxide. We'll see, but time enough for you, I think, to find your own circle game. Make your move. The witless are ready as ever, to set the wheel spinning. Matroska by Rye Downey Hello, again. Are you feeling alone, like me? Are you feeling like you have no fifth house in your natal chart? Do I have a heart and who is it for? If not, what is beating the inside of my rib cage like it is trying to escape? There is death in my heart and little footprints, many different sizes, people, cigarette butts, maybe a syringe, but I won't tell her secret. Maybe I do have a heart. Maybe our hearts are little red Matrushka dolls. Open my heart up and find another and another. I'm afraid to tell every woman I meet I don't believe in a hundred-year loves or marriage or dying in a bed next to someone else. I've never met anyone who kept me from longing for someone else. My heart has many rooms, I imagine. I've never seen it 
myself, but I sense the presence of someone living in the rooms. They are there, their hearts beating within mine, and I never want them to leave. I'm afraid some are already gone. Even monsters have hearts, so one day I hope to hold mine in my hands. I would love to see proof of the red light animating the machine of my body. You know where the real power comes from, don't you? I want to take a moment to share some poetry inspiration. On our submission form, we ask our poets what inspires them to write poetry. This episode's poet, Jay Newald, had some very wise words. Poetry, to me, is the language of dreams. The words we use describe things no other medium can. A part of the mind, or a place, or a taste, or a smell. Experiences that cannot be had any other way. Jay Newald. Love by Timothy Arliss O'Brien, published in Dear God, I'm a Faggot. Barking, biting, mad, ferocious, aggressive, and mean. It will chase you down in the streets and haunt you outside your home. But if you tame it, it will sit at your feet every evening. She will walk with you through danger. She will mourn with you when dreary and she will celebrate with you when jovial. It's best to have her on your side, because when you cross her, she is still barking, biting, mad. Prometheus by Lord George Gordon Byron Titan, to whose immortal eyes the sufferings of mortality seen in their sad reality were not as things that gods despise, what was thy pity's recompense? A silent suffering and intense, the rock, the vulture, and the chain all that the proud can feel of pain, the agony they do not show, the suffocating sense of woe, which speaks but in its loneliness, and then is jealous lest the sky should have a listener, nor will sigh until its voice is echoless. Titan, to thee the strife was given between the suffering and the will, which torture where they cannot kill, and the inexorable heaven, and the deaf tyranny of fate, the ruling principle of hate, which for its pleasure doth create the things it may annihilate, 
refused thee even the boon to die, the wretched gift eternity was thine, and thou hast borne it well. All that the thunderer wrung from thee was but the menace which flung back on him the torments of thy rack, the fate thou didst so well foresee, but would not to appease him tell. And in thy silence was his sentence, and in his soul a vain repentance, and evil dread so ill dissembled that in his hand the lightnings trembled. Thy godlike crime was to be kind, to render with thy precepts less the sum of human wretchedness, and strengthen man with his own mind, but baffled as thou wert from high, still in thy patient energy, in the endurance and repulse of thine impenetrable spirit, which earth and heaven could not convulse, a mighty lesson we inherit. Thou art a symbol and a sign to mortals of their fate and force. Like thee, man is in part divine, a troubled stream from a pure source. And man in portions can foresee his own funeral destiny, his wretchedness and his resistance, and his sad, unallied existence, to which his spirit may oppose itself and equal to all woes. And a firm will and a deep sense, which even in torture can descry its own concentered recompense, triumphant where it dares defy and making death a victory. Thank you for joining me in this episode. More information about all the poets are in the show notes. There are also links to more of their writing. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review, sharing this podcast with a friend, and subscribing so you never miss a poem. And remember, anyone can be a poet. <laughs>